Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren, without my screaming pillow. Yeah, you're not going to need it yet, but... Uh, I don't I don't like that, that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like that. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, I wasn't originally sure if I would do this play this year, but I decided, no, we need to cover this one, especially so that you have context for the Colored Museum. That's George C. Wolfe's play that I'm kind of leading you up to this year. Okay. So today we are going to be covering Native Son, which is the stage adaptation of Richard Wright's 1940 novel of the same name. The version we're covering is not going to be the original one for a couple of reasons. Uh, I couldn't find a stage production of the 1941 script, and I didn't want to read a whole play this year because I don't have that kind of energy. So... Uh, the version that we're watching is going to be a, one of the revival versions, but this whole intro is going to be about the original 1941 version, because you do need to know how it came about so that you understand the differences if you ever read Native Son from the book to the play, because there are some major differences. Seems legit. So, have you ever heard this quote by James Baldwin? No American Negro exists who does not have his private Bigger Thomas in his skull. I can't say I have because the phrase Private Bigger Thomas. I have no idea how to unpack that. You will learn about that today because that references the book Native Son as well as the play that... Uh, that uh, we're going to be watching. So it's also where uh, criticisms of certain tropes and character archetypes that uh, became more common in the 40s and 50s comes from as well, including from James Baldwin. He criticizes some of the archetypes set forward in this play. Uh, the novel, it, well, the play and the novel. And the novel is written by a black man, by Richard Wright. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, we're, we'll get into the but in a minute, actually. So I actually do highly recommend reading the book this is based on or listening to it in audiobook format, but right now we're going to do background for the play, not the book. Uh, this is also a play and book that will definitely be about that double consciousness thing that we talked about last year. That's going to play very heavily into this. And you'll need the screaming pillow while we watch it, and possibly <laughs> while reacting. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, the first stage adaptation of Native Son came in 1941. This one is a bit controversial, um, but not, not completely for the reasons you might be thinking. A little bit, yes, but not completely. Uh... Or maybe because theater can be a mess sometimes you are thinking about, yeah, this this tracks. So <laughs> there was a little movie out uh, that was being made at this time called Citizen Kane. It, I've heard of it. You've heard of it. Awesome. Uh, so that was by Herman Mankiewicz and John Hausman. 
So after they dotted the last rosebud, they set their sights on this hip new novel by Richard Wright. And Hausman was the one to contact Richard Wright being all, Hey, so I love your new novel, and I want to make a script about it. And Richard Wright is like, So I kind of already gave the rights to Paul <laughs> Green because he's better at handing, handling black shows and you know how it is, right? And Hausman's all sad, but is like, yeah, I, I know he wrote Abraham in Abraham's bosom, but he's also got like a viewpoint about race that are you sure you want to work with him and not me? I don't think he can handle the nuance and violence that's in your book. And Wright is all, yeah, the ink's already dry and he said that he would be good. <laughs> so he said he would be good when handling this, this topic. Yeah. Uh, so Green invites Wright to join, uh, Paul Green invites Wright to join him in South Carolina. And while he's working on the play, changes start happening. So this stuff with Bigger Thomas, can we have him be partially responsible for what he did? I mean, yeah, we can do that. And this communism stuff, it is the 1940s, so can we make these scenes a little less serious? You know, because it's the 40s? Yeah! You can see where this is going. That he just changes it quite a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Hausman is being like Jules Verne with Edgar Allan Poe, and is like, I'm gonna get the rights to producing this because I really love this book. And Paul, Richard, why are you tense? Wait, where's the awesome premise that Bigger couldn't escape this horrible white supremacist structure without violence? Green, Green, did you do this? And Green is like, Richard didn't tell me anything. And Wright's like, I'm not about to publicly disagree with a powerful Southern white guy who's one of the few prominent Southern allies black people have right now because both sides would just love that. <laughs> and Hausman is like, but this ending, I loved the original ending. What is this? A black god single and alone? But the original ending had a better moral. And watermelon? What is this race? Richard, Richard, do something. And Richard's like, I said I'm not arguing, and I'm not. I know what he could do. Give me, Warren, the watermelon. <laughs> so, well, in, mm, anyway. <laughs> Orson Welles is brought in to direct, and Hausman was like, oh, oh, thank goodness. Citizen Kane will at least be a good director and help fix this. So... Uh, because Green didn't go to the rehearsals, <laughs> Hausman pulls right aside and is like, rewrites happen all the time, Richard. Let's fix at least some of this. And they do. Okay. And <laughs> Green shows up for the final rehearsal and is like, "What? what is this? Where's my ending? Where's the stuff I added in? And he demands that they revert. And they're like, sorry, last rehearsal, can't. 
Take so, that, Green. Yeah, so they open as rehearsed on March 24th, 1941 at the Mercury Theater. Uh, the actor who played Bigger Thomas in this production was played by Canada Lee. And this was about the only thing audiences were united in liking. <laughs> oh. Because the 40s and communism and uh, subversiveness and making white people feel a little guilty. and For what? Yeah. For what, Kay? Oh, what, you'll what? find out. Um, so then Green revives it in 1969 and changes the setting to the 60s to kind of update it. Um, then it's revived again in 2006 by Kent Gash, and it's more like the original book than the, than, uh, the play that Green had written back in the 40s. And then it's revived again by Nambi E. Kelly, and this is going to be the version that we watch, and, uh, the version will be the final dress rehearsal for Marin Theater Company's 2016 production. Okay. Yep. So, any questions? So, is this a musical or a straight play? Straight play. Okay. Oh, and there are also film adaptations of this, but I didn't want to have to comb through and see which one was closer to one of the plays. I figured this is a lot easier to do. Um, someday we could look at the movies, but I... When I can, I like to stick to the play more yeah. if I'm introducing you to a play. I'm totally fine with that. Excellent. So, are you ready to go watch Native Son? I I guess. I mean, <laughs> after that intro, I'm like, okay, it was bad and then good and then wait, bad, bad or good? Wait, they changed it to make it more like the book, but then people mm -hmm. didn't like that. And then it was revitalized again. And I'm not sure how that... So, yeah, I, I'm kind of uh, not entirely sure what's going on, but I'm here for the ride. No worries. And uh, the information that I got, uh, other than, like, pulling from online sources, uh, Black Theater USA is an excellent book. I referenced it last year, and that's still the case for this year, too, for ones that are covered in Black Theater USA. So, let's go watch some Native Sun. Yay. That's called a manual fade out. <laughs> hey, Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our Patreon sponsors? It is. Woo! We would like to thank our stage crew sponsors, Reagan and Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Jesse, Bianucci, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Feeling better for me is top priority, mentally, physically, and emotionally. They all work together. Talking about the things that we all may experience, but just don't quite know how to say, it really opens up some new dialogue and perspective. That's the goal here. Sometimes you got to see yourself a little bit better and leave yourself alone because there are other people who see you for exactly who you are. And that's all good. We stay elevated here. But even Dr. Jekyll had a dark side. I mean, who doesn't love a good story to make the hairs on their arms stand up? I started to walk a little faster, just figuring if it was probably someone trying to scare me. It was like a hazing, but this didn't feel right. Night Owl is the hangout for those horror fans looking for a little bump in the night. Monday motivation, Friday frights. 
We like balance here, and the Bird Brain Podcast has it all. Take flight. Sleep tight. And now, the lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. So we uh, took a little time, didn't record right after watching. How are you doing with it? Uh, it um, I have mixed feelings about mm-hmm. it because it was a well-performed, engaging, deep story. Mm-hmm. And I don't... When I say deep, I guess I don't mean deep as in like philosophical, even though there is kind of a as- little bit of yeah that. aspect. Yeah. It 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 stayed with me, and I thought about it, and I thought about it, and it gave me some interesting ideas that we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hurts though. Yeah, it hurts an awful lot. Yeah, and it's ah, it's a complicated show. Yeah. It's a complicated show because you have this person who does a bad thing and then does more bad things and especially the version that we watched there's a lot of of jumping back and forth yeah. between the present and the past and the present and alternate like like I don't know if 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 the main character Bigger Thomas is imagining what's happening elsewhere or if Mm-hmm. through the medium of theater they are actually showing us what's happening elsewhere they're showing us what's they are showing okay because yeah. it's one of those things it's like you know it's from his perspective so when they do stuff mm-hmm. like that i don't know if it's his imagination or if it's his if he's there somehow you know the... yeah um and one thing that i had forgotten to like bring up when we were going into this version is that again this is a the most revivally of revivals you could do because the regular is very the original 1941 is very linear this is not this one actually starts at the end mm-hmm. and then goes from the beginning for like it's it's i don't know it it's like it starts at the end and then it goes to the halfway point and then it goes back to the beginning, like I said, it jumps around all mm-hmm. over the place, you know, mm-hmm. which, which watching it, I feel like it, it doesn't do it a disservice when watching it. Typing up my notes, though, boy, did it make it tricky. <laughs> boy, did it make it tricky. Yeah. Uh, and um, <laughs> I do want to read the notes from the playwright Nambi E. Kelly uh, on this version of Native Son. Uh So she says, there are two biggers, public bigger and private bigger, two views of the same man. Public bigger is the the, uh, bigger that everyone sees, that people talk to, talk about, 
The private bigger is the unseen man, the man within bigger's consciousness, his secret thoughts, the voice in his head. At times, bigger's inner self voices bigger's thoughts as he acts or speaks directly to bigger, but bigger never sees or looks at him because he cannot look at the voice he is talking to. The only exceptions to that are the two moments where bigger looks into a mirror and is able to see his consciousness because his view of himself is distorted through the eyes of those who look at him with contempt and pity. Mm -hmm. Dubois. Uh, The reflection he sees himself in the mirror is that of a black rat, much like the rat he kills at the top of the novel. He sees himself as the rat, someone who is dirty, disgusting, vile, sought after to be killed, undeserving of life, and goes on to say that this character, the black rat, is not negative. The idea of the double consciousness, as I understand it, is an internal mechanism that helps us to navigate, survive, and understand our duality as an African and as an American. Beautifully put. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. more eloquent than I could surmise. And very, 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 very well put. Yeah, and it, it basically ends saying that he is not the devil on the shoulder. In a sense, he is Bigger's higher self. But because Bigger does not understand his own greatness, he is blind to this. I referred to the other Bigger as the dark side in my in my mm-hmm. notes. I also referred to him as Suit because he's in a suit. In a suit, yeah. Which I thought was an interesting dynamic because you have Bigger who's in very humble clothing. He's mm-hmm. just in, you know, he's in a poor man's clothing. Yeah. Whereas his inner self is in this really nice Mm-hmm. You know, pinstripe suit with a tie and a hat and everything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it does kind of make sense to that extent because there's no way bigger could afford yeah. clothing like that in this day and age with with the way that he's, you know, being kept down. Uh, so it's interesting that the internal version of bigger has these these finer things that are yeah. out of, of real world bigger's reach. Yeah. And, and this is an invention of Namby for this play because normally it's very much a straightforward linear play but it kind of glosses over some of the brutality of the novel and so it's it's why again i was more like no i think we should still see this one instead of the watered down for 1940s audiences. Yeah, I I would rather have, even though this one hit me hard, I would Mm -hmm. rather have the harder-hitting medium that that is more genuine and honest about the hardships that people face versus Mm -hmm. something that is watered down to be more appealing and less less, uh, guilting of... Yeah. (laughs) And and how it just spirals. One act leads to another, leads to another, leads to another... It, it just spirals really, out of control. It really does. And we're going to circle back in on that because it wasn't until the ending of the show, or I guess more or less the 11 o'clock scene, the scene that happens right before the the totality of the of the finale, uh, really gave me kind of an, an epiphany. And it's not something, it's not a thought that I haven't had before, but it's a thought that's very subtly, but but uh, uh, truthfully represented in this. Mm -hmm. And what I'll say about that, because we'll talk on it more later, is how trauma passes down Mm -hmm. and how 
I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to say this, the term, you know, the sins of the father are, are mm-hmm. uh, uh, inherited by the son kind of thing, because it's not that kind of aspect. It's more of you, I don't, and I, duh, I don't want to say creating monsters either, because it's, it's hard for me to vocalize what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And so this will be an imperfect analogy, mm-hmm. but society creates the monsters that they later have to deal with mm-hmm. is kind of how I'm going to put that because bigger when he's being pursued is yeah is kind of a monster yeah and terrifying and he's portrayed as a monster because he has you know what started off as an accident then becomes intention then becomes has to cover it up so yeah so uh let's get into it shall we (laughs) do you have anything you'd like to say before I start reading my my uh, notes that I love you and I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. And I'm also sorry for people who look like me that have treated people that look like you very bad for a long time. Love you. I love you. The show opens up with a chipper character talking about how there is the way the world sees you and the way you see yourself. But how you see yourself is reflective of how the world sees you. So if the world sees you negatively, you will see yourself negatively. And that uh, is a much less poetic way of what you mm-hmm. said when you read the... Uh, the, the... It, it's less poetic version of what Nambi yes. says in the show, in the uh, playwright notes. And of course, when I say the show opens up with a chipper character, that's yeah. a complete another sarcasm. Uh, we see Bigger Thomas uh, shirtless. He looks like he might be bound. Uh, cast mostly in shadow, mm-hmm. giving this very somber and sobering monologue about how he's a, a yeah a, a worthless black rat. Mm-hmm. Onward or downward, a very drunk lady is very very drunk, and a kind black man who is bigger Thomas, we don't know that yet, is trying to help her into her room, but this drunk lady is a. Uh, bit frisky one might Mm -hmm. say and she encourages this gentleman to make advances on her and uh he does after some Mm -hmm. prompting by her however the drunk woman's mother comes home and she's blind and she's calling out for her daughter complaining that she smells the stench of alcohol the black gentleman in question knows how it's going to look if he's seen uh, with this drunk white lady. Mm-hmm. So he holds a pillow over her face to keep her quiet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So he's a killer now. And, uh, mm-hmm. he's now panicking, understandably. And then he talks to who, uh, he talks to himself. This is where, as Kay had mentioned, Private Bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will refer to him as Suit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Suit seems to be remembering the events as uh, Bigger Thomas seems to be removed from the situation and being noticed by other people. So this is before I kind of I kind of were making these notes before the Mm -hmm. the show explained itself a little bit more, Mm -hmm. because the first time we see Suit, we just think that I I did at least I thought Mm -hmm. he was just a person who lived in that apartment complex mm-hmm. who happened to see Bigger Thomas trying to carry this drunk lady. And and this and, and initially when I saw that, uh, 
than the way they looked at each other. I thought it was just bigger Thomas going, oh, no, this other person who lives in this apartment building is seeing mm-hmm. me trying to carry this woman. Like, I'm going to be in trouble just for trying to help get her into her home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, that was his his inner self seeing him. Some of the, the way that they did stuff in this was confusing to my smooth brain. <laughs> I did the best that I could. It's almost like he caught himself in a mirror for a minute and just... That's an excellent way of putting it. That Mm -hmm. is an excellent way of putting it. In the next scene, our manslaughterer is with his family, and they're freaking out about how there is a rat. And manslaughterer, rat slaughters all... (laughs) (laughs) He rat slaughters all the while venting some serious frustration on the rat. And, uh, me kind of thinks that he's, uh taking some of his internal pain out on Mr. Whiskers over there. Mm-hmm. Because he really is going at this rat with a frying pan, just like, you dirty much, son of a... Just, mm-hmm. you worthless beat. Like, just, he's... He's yep. venting all of his frustration about the world onto this rodent. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets stopped by his family, because they're like, whoa, whoa. Calm down. Yeah, it's dead now. Calm down, bigger. Anyways, the rat is dead, and uh, Bigger Thomas, or BT as I'll be calling him, BT's mother and sister leave, and BT is left with his younger brother, and the two daydream. BT wants to be a pilot, but he can't cause racism. Mm -hmm. BT and his brother are playing pool, all while Mr. Suit just chills and watches. And I will say, I I do like how they have him in this, because it is, Mm -hmm. he's an interesting set piece when other stuff is going on around him. And nobody interacts with him except Bigger, and the only time Bigger interacts with him is when it's just the two of them. Yep. Uh, so it's 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 a it's a dynamic that I enjoy, and it's good. I would I, I would not remove chills it. thinking about. I it. would not remove it. Yeah. It it may it improves the source material. The other reason that I like it as well is it adds another layer to Bigger. Yes. Because. He's a damaged individual, as mm-hmm. we'll talk later. Like, he got to this point in his life from a lot of garbage. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that it, it's kind of portrayed as if he has split personalities. Mm-hmm. But he is definitely... He's dissociating. Okay, thank you. Thank you. He Yes, is, yeah. is the best way to put it. Because there are times where he does talk to his other self in front of somebody, but he doesn't realize somebody's there. Mm-hmm. And then they say, who are you talking to? And he's like, none of your business. Yeah. You know, nobody. I wasn't saying anything, mm-hmm. you know, gets, gets aggressive about it. <sighs> okay. Apparently we're in the past though, cause the dead drunk girl is not dead or drunk. And she's being introduced <laughs> to BT. She's being introduced to BT by her blind mother, who is very protective. And also very talkative, as she gives BT her entire life story and her husband's life story. Her husband, who seems to be dead... No, I found out later he's not dead, but he wasn't in the scene, and so it Mm -hmm. kind of made it sound like he was. But anyway, uh, her husband was apprehended as a lad at an anti-lynching rally, and his father, you know, drug Mm -hmm. him away from this anti-lynching rally. His father was a a rich piece of crap, and then when his dad died... uh, Mr. Anti-Lynch gave away all of his dad's money to a number of black organizations. So that's cool. <laughs> I Hey, if you get if you go to an anti-lynching rally and you get in trouble for that, I already like you. Mm-hmm. 
However, I did get vibes of, man, if Obama, or if I could have, I would have voted for Obama three <laughs> times. And I'm just going, from, from the mother? From, from the mom and from the daughter, a little bit. Like, just sort of the overcompensating sort of thing that can make one very uncomfortable. You and I have had interesting topic topical conversations about that because mm-hmm. I really identified with those two because as we've mm-hmm. talked about before, there's been times where I've found myself around people that I I don't know anything about, mm-hmm. but based on their body language, I can already tell that they don't like me just mm-hmm. because they are assuming as a as a cis white man, at least, you know, presenting and everything uh, that I am going to be like so many others and have it out for them, whether yeah. they be, you know, gay or a minority or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I sense that, I tend to kind of the phrase kill them with kindness kind of mm-hmm. thing. I tend to try and be extra friendly so I can be like, hey, I'm one of the good ones kind of thing <laughs> is how yeah. I, I I treat that. So when Mary, the the drunk, soon to be dead girl, uh, and the other character Jan, who will be introduced later, when mm-hmm. they are being really friendly with BT and trying to like mm-hmm. treat him as an equal to help him relax, yeah. but all it does is make him tighten up more mm-hmm. because he's just like you, you, he's waiting for the other shoe to ex- drop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I understand completely where they're coming from because they're trying to. Mm-hmm. Because they're completely ignorant, yeah. and they say some really ignorant stuff, mm. but it comes from a place of, we want to help. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. I still am there at, from time to time. <laughs> I get that. So, the entire time, I'm just sitting there just face palming because I'm identifying way too hard with those two. Just going, oh, this is me every time I've tried to make somebody not be concerned about me. And I'm not I'm not a intimidating person anyway. I mean So You did never you never told me though that you would have voted for Obama three times. So okay, and I was, I was that's where I was Well, I mean I would have. But anyway So getting there, what I meant to go with that is that reference for people who may not know is from uh uh, uh Get Out. Thank you. Gosh, my brain. It's from Get Out and in that movie the people who seem like they are allies have malicious intents. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with these people. No. So that is the only point where I would argue with you on that is mm-hmm. the whole, you know, I would vote for, I would have voted for Obama three times yeah. if I could have, is that they are not, they're not quite there. They're not, but quite, I... they're not, they're not trying to get um, BT to lower his guard so that they can then take advantage of him. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to get him to lower his guard so that they can then do something terrible to him. Yeah. They are very, they're, they're more on the Warren spectrum of, hey, hey, we know you're a person. We know you're a person and we know that all this stuff going on is bullcrap and is not mm-hmm. fair. So that's, yeah. so yeah. But no, like when, when they said that line, I was just like, oh, I am <laughs> feeling the discomfort right now oh. that Bigger has. <sighs> I, I, I could like feel that through the screen. He did such a good job that of actor, reacting to that because that actor was oh. amazing. I will say because he mm-hmm. he he could go from confident to nervous to angry to mm-hmm. like he could pull out his emotions 
make them very believable and and just cycle through them. Like he yeah. he is definitely a very skilled actor who yeah. is is well forged in his craft is how and I would put that. It's one of those things that it is a blessing for really all of the actors in this, but especially him, that this was only a ninety minute show. Because <sighs> with one act, because I don't know how I I don't know how you could keep that up for a two-act show and keep it up for any longer just going back and forth. Because I've had to do shows where you go back and forth with emotion, but luckily you have enough lulls that you can have time to not be in any of those emotions. and Or you have an intermission. With this, I'm just like, whew! I don't, I don't know how. And he's <laughs> on, is... and he's on stage for most of the yeah. show. There's a couple yeah. scenes where he's not in it as much, but for the most part, he is front and center the entire mm-hmm. time. And it's just like, whoo. Okay, so let's get back on track. So yes, we are back in the past. Uh, uh, not dead, not drunk girl is being introduced by her still blind mother, uh, <laughs> who is very protective and also very talkative. Uh, yes, life story. Her husband got arrested at an anti-lynching rally, gave away all of his dad's money to black uh, support groups. Anyways, <laughs> BT doesn't seem to want to be the chauffeur chauffeur for this rich lady, but with pressure from his family and his mama, who's threatening to throw him out if he doesn't get a job. Oh, and I asked Kay who the dude... Okay, ha ha ha, we're... <laughs> I can see where the notes were having issues. See, sometimes this, like, we'll talk about something for the listeners, and then I'll go into my notes, and then I'll I'm so addressing sorry. that thing. So yes, I will read this note just for completionists. <laughs> oh, and I asked Kay who the dude in the suit was, and instead of being the future BT, remembering his past, he's actually way worse. Suit is the dark side of BT, his worst aspect and impulses. Neat. Mm-hmm. Which... I guess he's not really his worst he, yeah. aspect, but he's, he's... He's not really his... And, and calling him his dark side isn't really fair either, because, mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair... I mean, there are times that... To be that fair. There, yeah, to be fair. There are times that Suit says the things that BT then does, mm-hmm. and those things are sometimes terrible. Mm-hmm. So calling him his dark side may work, but he is, you know, he is his inner self. He's the the unspoken voice. He mm-hmm. is he is what he sees when he looks in the mirror. He is uh yeah. Black rat. Yep, he is the black rat. Which is interesting that they chose to give him a suit because I I don't know. Maybe if they put him in like rags or something that would have been too it, in... it wouldn't have because it's still a double consciousness thing. Um, so they've got to be as different from each other as possible. Yeah, and see, I was going to say is if because BT is already kind of in ragged clothing, so yeah. if you would have put Rat in actual rags to make him look you mm-hmm. know more disheveled, more like a rat. Uh, mm. That might have made him look too much like he would have belonged into the, the situation, but putting him in finer attire mm. really removes him from yeah, everybody Yeah, because, I mean, his attire is finer than anyone else on the stage, really. Yeah, I mean, like, even man-wise, I would say yes, because yeah. cause the blind lady wears some nice stuff, mm-hmm. you know, she's a rich, older but it's lady. But not, it's not quite the semi-formal 
that he wears. True. And he's just always... He looks like he's yeah. going to a club or yeah, something. Yeah, he, like lo- he, he like looks a, like he's dressed to the nines. Like a 1940s club. Like yeah. A, a club that has one of those big bands, you know? Mm-hmm. The proper nightclubs. Yes. Not anyway. what kids are going to these days. <laughs> you darn kids with your twerking clubs and your... And your fancy drinks. I don't know. And your person using their MP3 player to change the songs. Back in my day, we had a band doing that. Of course, back in my day, we were up close to each other at the at the nightclubs. And right now, you can't do that. Right now, you gotta gotta not go to the clubs, kids. Don't go to the clubs. <laughs> That hurt. (laughs) Kay tries, and I appreciate that. Ah, that hurt. (laughs) Anyways, Blind Mother says some weird stuff to BT, being all, Oh, I lost my eyes during Prohibition to some bad rot gut, and I never finished school, and I have perfect hearing because I lost my eyesight, (laughs) like Daredevil. Do you like comic books, BT? Oh, and I'm going to talk about how I imagine you to be a tall, handsome, and black as midnight. She's a little creepy. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's a little fetishizing of BT, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely is. Yeah, just the way that she she kind of... I don't know. The way... Just the way that she... She fetishizes him. Yeah. Anyways. Blind Mother tells BT what his chauffeur duties will be, and part of that is tending to the furnace. Uh-huh. Okay, blind lady, as long as you pay me on time. We see BT watching some show with his brother about a white woman who was raised by tribal African people, and it's... a thing. Uh-huh. I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, more about BT wanting to be a pilot, but not being able to because racism. Uh-huh. That night, BT picks up uh, Mrs. Daughter, Miss Daughter Mary Dalton. Why did I say it like that? I could just take out the daughter. That night, <laughs> BT picks up Mary Dalton, the not-yet-drunk-not-yet-dead woman, who is supposed to go to the university, but she wants uh, him to take her to The Loop, which... I don't know what that is. It's a club. Okay. Probably. It's either going to be a club or it's going to be... Yeah, I think it is a club because people saw Bigger drinking with the white woman and Jan, so... Yes, Jan is about to be introduced. Mm-hmm. So they go to the Loop, apparently, to uh, meet a communist buddy of Mary's who is like, I'm on your side, Bigger. Shake my hand. Don't pull your hand away. Look me in the eye. Don't call me sir. And I I like Jan a lot. Yeah. I like Jan a lot because he, I mean, he, he's a communist guy trying to, they do seem like they're trying to recruit bigger. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a part earlier in the thing where uh, Mary's mother, blind Mrs. Dalton, is complaining about her daughter running off with a communist. Mm-hmm. And apparently, you know, They brought her home, and they've been disciplining her, and she's supposed to go to university and this and this and that. Uh, But she is sneaking away at night to go meet her communist, Mm -hmm. you know, boyfriend. And, yeah. And I like Jan because when he meets Bigger, you know, Bigger's doing the, the, you know, don't look him in the eye. Yes, sir. You know, being very cowed, like visibly cowed, as in to make himself 
be as non-threatening as possible. Mm -hmm. And Jan is very much like, nope, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that at all. Shake my hand. Don't pull away. Look me in the eyes. No need to be afraid. Don't call me, sir. And that is a reoccurring thing that Mm -hmm. happens in this is that everybody tells Bigger, don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. And that seems to be a trauma thing for him which we will talk about later mm-hmm. but anytime somebody tells bigger don't be afraid don't be scared what are you scared what are you afraid like bigger does not like that nope yeah so this jan guy seems to be all right even if he is rough around the edges the two well-meaning white communists ask bt where they can get some good food and good booze on the south side or something like that some side the black side of town is basically yeah. like well and like what's crazy though is just how the way that they're saying stuff and it, you can hear just sort of the internal oh yeah that's that's, oh! that's exactly what i'm talking about they are they're ignorant and they're trying to show mm-hmm. bt that they are not bad white people (laughs) and they are just fumbling all over themselves and doing it and making bt incredibly uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but he can't say that he's being incredibly uncomfortable because at the same time if these two were to flip on him you know Mm. it's their word against his like that's the the issue is that he finds himself in such a precarious situation Mm -hmm. because if he's with these two white people and something bad happens no matter what the situation is Mm -hmm. it will affect him worse he will be up if he's not fully blamed for it he will get a worse punishment than they will just Mm -hmm. all the the compounded uh, uh, injustice that we see in the modern era, but worse because the forties. Yeah. yeah. So with that out of the way, Jan and the Jan, the mystery friend, wants to drive the car, and both he and Mary want to sit right next to BT to show him that they're some of the good ones. But they just <laughs> seem to mostly be unintentionally offensive, if well-meaning. Mm-hmm. BT keeps stopping time to pop out of his seat and have arguments with his brother and his dark side. Well. Yeah. BT has a lot of emotion, and he also seems to be planning how to uh, get an alibi for the manslaughter to come incident. So, like, while he's... The way that they have the scene is that they're on a bench, Mary's on one side, Jan's on the other side, Jan's miming driving mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then time will freeze, BT will pop out of his seat, go over to another part of the stage, and engage in... A memory or something like there's, yeah. a, there's a scene of him beating up his brother because his brother made a comment about him oh what are you scared bt and he's like mm-hmm. i'm not scared how dare you say i'm scared and he just beats the crap yeah. out of his brother and it's because they were supposed to rob a store oh and it didn't happen because bt decided to get into a fight with his brother okay because he got uh triggered into a trauma loop because of the don't be scared yeah okay i I guess mm -hmm. i I missed that part that they were supposed to go rob a store yeah um but he does those things like he he stops periodically through the scene to pop out of his seat go do something else Mm -hmm. and then comes back into his seat time fast forwards and bt is talking to mrs dalton who is like my daughter is missing and other stuff and bt gives his alibi of well, she told me to take her here and there and uh, mm-hmm. over there, and I didn't kill her. A private detective shows up, hired by Mr. Dalton, to be incredibly racist mm-hmm. and cause Warren to growl at the screen. 
I literally growled yeah, at screen, and it made Kay laugh. And made Latte leave the room. Did make the dog leave the room. She's like, uh-oh. I thought we're not supposed to growl. Do I need to go get the no-no can? <laughs> <laughs> I just... When he starts throwing around slurs and saying incredibly rude mm-hmm. stuff, I'm just, I, it was involuntary response, you know? The laughter, honestly, was involuntary, too. <laughs> just sort of a, <laughs> yeah, this is happening. Well, I think it was more you laughing at my response of growling uh, rather yeah, than yeah, just screaming at the a... TV. <laughs> yeah, that it was an involuntary response to your response. <laughs> there we go. The detective asks BT what happened and if BT was talked to by the communist. The detective asks a bunch of things that I, that I won't repeat because it would mm-hmm. break K's rule. Mm-hmm. This detective is a real piece mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. Anyways, since BT has a super guilty conscience, he tells the detective that Jan the communist was the last one to see Mary and the two were really drunk and just going at it. Mm-hmm. The scene changes to BT with his lady friend, who, did you ever catch her name? I did not catch her name. Well, yeah. Not that it matters in the long run. Nope. So, BT goes to meet his lady friend, showing her the money that he made, uh, like 25 bucks or something for, Mm -hmm. for, I don't know if that's his weekly wage or what, but. Yes. For 1940s, probably. Probably, Probably. yeah. But yeah, so that's his chauffeur money. The money that he hands her is not the chauffeur money. That is the money from the daughter's purse. <gasps> so he robbed her after? He took the money, because there's this quick moment, if you miss it, where he takes the money out of the purse. Is it when she's drunk before she It's gets after smothered? she dies. After he smothers her, because he's trying to dispose of as much evidence, and he's like, well... I'll take this money. Might as well. And, I missed that bit. Yeah. Uh, well... Because he burns... Well, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll talk, we'll about, talk about what he does. Yeah, so the scene changes to BT with his lady friend, showing her the money that he made, slash stole. The two of them are about to get close to one another. Mm-hmm. But then the lady friend is like, you feel different, BT. Were you with that white woman? And BT physically changes the scene to the detective who is questioning Jan the communist. And the detective is still being a jerk. And I'm getting whiplash going back and forth between these scenes. Anyways, BT breaks down and confesses to his lady friend that he accidentally killed Mary Dalton, and that he talks to his dark side about what to do with the body, and he settles on burning the body in the furnace. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this is going downhill real fast. Mm-hmm. BT forges a ransom note for Mary Dalton, who is dead, but he signs it red, so people think that it's the communists who mm-hmm. kidnapped her, not And signs him. it with his other hand. Yeah, signs it with his other hand. Which, I mean, hey, that's mm-hmm. clever. That is that clever. That way it completely looks not like your handwriting. Mm-hmm. Then again, if I tried to sign something with my left hand, they'd be like, oh, this poor person wrote it with their mouth or their <laughs> foot. These scribbles were not made by a human hand. Anyways, scene changes to Mrs. Dalton asking BT to clean some ashes out of the furnace. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we can all see where this is going. My bet, yep. there's a skeleton in there, or at least some bones. Oh, wait, never mind. This is when he's putting the body in the furnace. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole body won't fit in one piece, that is. So uh, BT's dark side tells him to dismember the body so Mm -hmm. it will fit. Specifically, the head. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then add more coal. (laughs) To make it burn better. Yeah, okay. 
Now we're in the present, I think, and mm-hmm. uh, racist, racist detective and blind mother are complaining about how the furnace is backed up with ashes and smoking up the house. BT is unable to gather his nerves to clean some of the ashes from the furnace, and the racist detective takes the shovel from BT and goes to work. It's not long until he finds something. It's an earring. Mm-hmm. Mary's earring. And, uh, some bone. Mm-hmm. Mary's bone. Mrs. Dalton and Detective Racist both freak out, and BT flees. He flees and flees, and he falls, and has an argument with Suit about not being able to fly. BT then finds his way to his lady friend's place and says that they found Mary's body in the furnace and that they have to leave. So, I will say that the part where he's fleeing from the scene and then he falls and, and suits over him and he's like, get up, get up, whatever. And uh, I, BT has this, I wish I could remember it better, but he has this thing, something about, I just want to fly away mm-hmm. kind of thing like that. And Yeah, that's just, oh, his, his deteriorating mental state yeah. is portrayed so well. That's a very good point. I It's one of those things that I didn't quite realize how much it was deteriorating until it got further along in it but Mm -hmm. the way that the two sides of bt play off each other Mm -hmm. is just really good they had really good stage chemistry absolutely like i I keep getting chills thinking about how good this was even though it was rough it's it's really bt bt goes downhill even more from here and mm-hmm. I still have conflicting views on it because BT does some terrible stuff. But by the end of it, he's a very sympathetic character, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean that the world is not black and white, even no. like it's it's the it, world's the, grayscale. The ray the world is grayscale. There's there's a lot of in between mm-hmm. you know moral justifications for things and the way that they do this character mm-hmm. it is very compelling how because it started out with me feeling bad for him and then being like oh wow like you really have it coming and mm-hmm. then by the end of it i'm like you didn't have a chance from the very beginning like yeah. as a kid and oh whew, okay yeah all right all right so, BT and his lady friend have fled, and, uh, lady friend is upset and wanting to get drunk. She says that she's cold, and, uh, BT puts himself around her, and she's like, oh, you're all warm, and then he tries to put himself on her. Then when she says stop, and, uh, we'll leave it there, however, so, yep, uh, yes, after, okay, I guess, BT assaults her. Yep. Uh, he he does a bad thing, and after the unpleasant incident, BT and he, and Suit talk about what they need to do. They decide that they can't leave Lady Friend and they can't take her with them. So the logical conclusion is to beat her to death with a brick mm-hmm. and throw her body out a window and down an air shaft. And down an air shaft. This is just one horrible decision after another, mm-hmm. and on top of that. BT threw her out the window before taking the money. And then he scrambles down to her body so that he can Mm -hmm. get the money. Priorities. Later, Mm -hmm. 
An unspecified amount of time later, BT goes out for a smoke, and he argues with Suit some more. BT snatches a paper from a newsie and reads the headline. I guess uh, they're saying that BT assaulted and murdered Mary Dalton, and that because of the record snowfall all over New York, New York is completely- Chicago. Oh, Chicago. Yes. I thought she was supposed to go to Chicago. She was supposed to go to Detroit. Oh! I don't know why I thought it was New York then. I guess I just assumed. I guess I thought about where is a very where is a big city that has had <laughs> black people not treated well historically, and I guess I just defaulted to New York. So, my You're apologies, fine, New York. You're fine. It's you, Chicago. 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 Big Louie from Chicago. Anyway. So, yes, because of the record snowfall all around Chicago, I'll call it not New York. <laughs> Midwest New York. <laughs> because of all the record snowfall around not New York, it's completely blocked off and the police will find him. BT then seems to psychically find him. See, this is the thing I was asking about with uh, uh, him... With, with the story showing what's actually going on when BT's not there. Mm -hmm. Because it really feels like everything is done while BT is in the room from BT's perspective. And this yeah. scene right here, we see BT, he seems to psychically find himself at his mother's house as... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't know who this person is that comes in, but they tell, they tell BT's family that the building is being condemned and that they have to move. BT either... This is a memory. This is a memory. Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. From this, childhood. Yeah. My my apologies. Uh, I am thinking of a note later. Okay. This part definitely is a memory because this woman who comes in and tells them this this house needs to be condemned. They're going to have to leave. And they're like, well, where are we going to go? Mm -hmm. And she's kind of like, that's well, not my problem. You mm -hmm. just can't stay here. BT then physically, <laughs> either physically or psychically goes after this lady kicking his family out. So I guess since it's a memory, it was physically. As mm -hmm. a 15-year-old, he assaults this woman and kind of kicks her out of their house. And then he goes back to the present where he's very hungry and eating snow because he's so hungry. Mm -hmm. BT then has a memory of the last time he saw his father. He and his siblings were little. His <sighs> parents were fighting. BT's father wanted to organize with other black men. And BT's mother was against it due to the fear her husband would be killed. Seems her fears were justified. BT finishes his trauma flashback and returns to the present where he's still hungry. And he decides to try and buy some bread. But it was a trap! And BT is caught by Jan, of all people, who just rages at BT about killing Mary, who he loved. Jan pulls a gun on BT and tells him to turn around, but then Jan just leaves. Mm-hmm. And then BT scales a building because he's cold and he wants to get inside for warmth. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there's some creative stuff that I'm just not getting. Mm -hmm. But I did think it was weird how Jan... I thought Jan... I don't know what I thought Jan was going to do. He seemed like he was ready to kill BT. Yeah. Even though he was talking about, I don't hate you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I... like. Jan is surprisingly understanding. Jan's wrestling with his own inner... That sounds anger accurate. Because he's also... I don't think that he completely believes the whole he raped her. Thing. Oh no. I think that for him he's like something else happened but that you still killed my girlfriend but 
like, because in, in the book, Jan definitely tries to advocate for Bigger at the trial and everything. Just like, no, he, don't, like, be lenient on him. Don't, don't do what you're gonna do to him. Because, yeah. you know, that's, Jan is a more focused younger brother from Ragtime. Because <laughs> younger brother that. just goes from thing to thing to oh, thing. No. Younger brother. I know how to blow things up. <laughs> Anyways, BT finds a spot somewhere in the building he hid in, and he hears some people fighting, but he finds a safe spot to hide and eat his bread. BT then has some flashback trauma to when his father was murdered and his mom, who was hurting, didn't help either, as she told BT to look in that mirror. He's black, like that rat. Black like that rat over and over again. She tells him some things to do, like never talk to white people unless they talk to you first, and always use sir or ma'am after mm -hmm. each reply, to move to the side of the of uh, the street if mm -hmm. you cross a white person in the street, to always fear the police, mm -hmm. and other things like that. She basically... it's She gave the talk. It's... Yeah, okay, I'll talk about it more later. BT escapes some people with, who notice him, and they mm -hmm. chase after him. BT avoids it, and we see him talking to Suit as they read another paper. It says that BT has been avoided by the police for 24 hours, and that over 1,000 black homes have been raided. This, okay, this is where I mistake, mm -hmm. mistook the other note. I have it in here, BT psychically sees what his mother and siblings are going through and how his mother is begging Mrs. Dalton not to kill her boy. The racist detective then ushers Mrs. Dalton away, saying there's nothing that they can do for you. B mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of where I was like, I wasn't certain if BT was imagining what his mother was saying to Mrs. Dalton or if we were actually being shown what was happening. And a part of me wonders if this is because in the original play, there are some really good monologues from the mother. And so they're trying to at least nod to those scenes where it's the mother trying to advocate for her son. Don't take my baby. Oh. Don't kill my boy. Yeah, that that part is mm -hmm. really really emotional because she's like yeah. I, she tells you know mrs dalton i'll work for you for the rest of my life you know please mm -hmm. don't please don't kill my boy like you know that they're gonna kill him you know he didn't do what they said he did you know mm -hmm. just really just putting herself on the line to try and save yeah. her son and it's it's it hits you it hits, yeah, it hits you hard right rough. in the feels it yeah. is rough BT gets a flashback to when his family was getting thrown out and he's 15 and he gets into a fight with a cop who beats the crap out of him. Uh, so it, we get the, the view, at least over the course of the show, that BT's family has been kicked out over the course of his life at least two times. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was more than that, but there's been at least two incidences. Like one of them, the building was condemned. And so the lady's like, well, you got to get out. And the other mm -hmm. one was cops kicking him out saying that, you know, this place is being... I can't remember why they were kicking them out. Gentrification, most yeah, likely. Yeah, probably. They're going to knock it down and put up something <laughs> Same nicer. as the condemned. It's yeah. like, oh, we, we've decided that uh, this would be a really nice Applebee's. <laughs> that is what we want right here, is an Applebee's. But we live here. Nope, it's an Applebee's now, which will go bankrupt in like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, so... After the uh, flashback of BT fighting with a cop, BT finishes his flashback and finds himself being surrounded by everyone in the entire show, yelling at him, calling him guilty. Then BT is in court. 
uh, in his head. Well, so I guess he's. I don't, this this scene is a little confusing because the, we see people who are dead yeah. yelling at BT, and then the way I have it in my note, and then you can clarify mm-hmm. f- for the audience, BT is in court in his head saying that he's guilty and everyone is pointing at him and accusing him. We get BT having an internal conflict about how he didn't mean to do what he did. It was like someone else was in his body doing things while he was forced to watch. BT snaps out of his internal torment to real torment as the cops have closed in on him. Okay, so I'll finish this note. Yeah. So it, it kind of jumps from the... Uh, Actually, I guess I answered myself. That yeah. previous note was him all internal. Yeah. It was all internal because mm-hmm. he later then does... Yeah, yeah, and he does actually go to court. He does plead guilty in the source material. Um, and it's like, you know that you're going to get killed if you plead guilty you're either going to be in prison for the rest of your life or you're going to be killed i know yeah the the scene where that internal courtroom scene for him is really hard because you get you know mary dalton is there the woman that he killed you know his his girlfriend that he did murder Mm -hmm. and she talks about oh i woke up and i tried to claw my way out but i froze to death yeah so she was beaten unconscious with a brick and he thought she was dead. And then she survived a fall down a, a mm-hmm. ventilation shaft. And then she tried to climb. Like it's, it's really it's brutal. It's really brutal. Mm-hmm. And, but you also get this weird amount of sympathy for BT when he's just talking about how, you know, it wasn't him. It didn't feel like him. He tried to stop, but he couldn't. And yeah, it's, it's a conflicting series of events. Mm hmm. So, BT snaps out of his internal torment to real torment as the cops have closed in on him. Beat him down, strip him naked, and then spray him with a hose. And execute him. Mm-hmm. But not before we get the lines from the beginning of the show about how there are two mirrors. How the world sees you and how you see yourself. But your mirror self can be influenced by the world's mirror. And you will find you, you will find that you see yourself the way that the world tells you that you should see yourself. Mm-hmm. The end. Very, very, very freaking sad show. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a thing in there that I don't think I actually noted, but I don't think I will ever forget it. It stuck with me. Um, mm-hmm. There's uh, So we have two scenes where BT is dealing, as a child, dealing with the death of his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first scene is his mother arguing with his father and the kids talking amongst themselves being like dad wants to go organize with others and kind of thing and like mm-hmm. they'll, they'll kill him if he does that kind of thing and, and he goes off and it, it the scene doesn't go much farther than that mm-hmm. and then we have a scene of the kids watching out a window as their father is being murdered by mm-hmm. a mob and that, I believe, actually, I think it's after that that the mother then gives the speech about don't talk to white people, you sir mm-hmm. and ma'am, fear the police. Like, kind of gives him the, the, I don't know, the the black American's handbook to surviving in white it, America. Yeah, it's it's the talk. It's, yeah. it's the talk. The talk. That, I mean, it's it's modified over the years, but we all get that talk at some point in our lives, usually before... Mine was before I was eight, so. So, that scene really struck with me. It, it really... So, there there are, of course, cases 
you know, people can come from troubled backgrounds and grow up to not be, you know, violent or abusive. You know, like mm-hmm. there are statistics if you're from a, a family that has alcohol abuse, you're much more likely to be an alcoholic yourself. Mm-hmm. Th- things like that. People who come from abused families are much more likely to be abusers themselves. Mm-hmm. Things like that. And the reason that that exists is because, you know, people people have a lot in common with, you know, we get programmed. When you're yeah. a kid, you very much get programmed. If mm-hmm. you grow up in a family that tells you that you're worthless and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you'll grow up believing that you're worthless. And we kind of get that with BT. He is, to an extent, a product of his his environment, his upbringing, the way mm-hmm. that society has treated him and his family. And mm-hmm. he is a monster that society created. Yep. He is a monster as a result of other monsters. Yep. He he is the product of white supremacy. Yeah. And it, it it's really frustrating, too, because over the course of the show... With the exception of, like, Mary, her mother, and Jan, you know, every other white person is very dismissive and offensive and belittling to Mm -hmm. every black person that they encounter. And it kind of becomes this, it kind of becomes this thing of, of because of the trauma that BT had as a child and carrying that with him and having that shape him as a young man and then an adult he ends up proving all those horrible people right Mm -hmm. you know it's it's that whole thing of the world calls you a rat and you became a rat kind of thing and it's it just it really 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 sucks and it really Mm -hmm. really really hurts Mm -hmm. but it's that kind of hurt that i feel like people need every now and again to to shake you up and to kind Mm -hmm. of remind you that you know we we make these we make these monsters yeah our prejudice Mm -hmm. prejudice hurts discrimination hurts like Mm -hmm. you are hurting another human being and you are you are helping to shape that human being in a negative way yeah and there's only so long that a person can handle that before it explodes uh, in some or form. implodes or implodes yeah uh which i think that that's a very common thing too the imploding that can mm-hmm. you know that's where you Yo. get well i mean <laughs> that's where you usually get imploding is usually where you get uh, substance abuse and stuff like that because, or attempting suicide or attempting suicide or, or you know uh uh yeah stuff like that because you're mm-hmm. abusing yourself yeah rather than taking that abuse and abusing somebody outside yeah. of you it, it's it's a complicated yes. soci- sociological issue that we can't really tackle and solve on our podcast, but we no. can at least point out the fact that mm-hmm. we can make it better by not being a bunch of jerks. Yeah, not being a bunch of jerks. Access to mental health care where you can have someone who's a safe sounding board that knows how to assist you out of that dark place. Um because therapy saved me. Yeah. Therapy can save so many people. Therapy is helpful. It so- can save you from imploding or exploding. Yeah. It kind of reminds me... Uh, and it should be free. Yeah. It should be covered. 
but that's my soapbox and I won't. I agree with that. But <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of something that I've heard. Um, it, it, it sounds weird to say it, but it's something I've heard black comedians say before mm-hmm. about how in, and you can vouch for this, that mm-hmm. in the black community, mental health is incredibly stigmatized mm-hmm. and it's very much treated as something that, oh, depression is for people who don't actually have problems yep. depression is for white people yeah because we black people have real problems going on that mm-hmm. we need to deal with so we don't have time for depression yeah kind of thing and it's it's a really messed up mm-hmm. position to be in because it's it's and we see that a bit with bt and his family same kind yes. of thing they have some serious issues but their issues really can't get addressed because they are just barely hanging by just Mm -hmm. barely making it yep just barely putting crumbs on the table you know yes and that's part of that issue and (sighs) it's it's why that issue exists um yeah because man little bit of personal stuff but you know my dad didn't believe in mental health care so you know i <laughs> no it, it was it was he, he strikes me as one of those people who it was the oh you're upset i'll give you something to be upset That's about exactly what yeah. yeah and so it's one of those i'm amazed i didn't explode but i'm the type of person to more go inward yeah you're rather than outward you and i are more imploders than exploders yeah and so it's that's where i kind of see the bigger is the alternative for me like if i were an exploder then it could have gotten much worse had i not had help whereas instead it was like hey time to destroy yourself instead of let's put your whole body into (laughs) musical theater and dance until you can't dance anymore and stuff like that block out the pain yeah so I just thought about something, um, either that or I'm remembering something that I thought previously. BT, one of BT's kind of trigger things throughout the whole show is, oh, are you scared? Oh, don't be mm-hmm. scared. Oh, are you afraid? Oh, yep. don't be afraid. You know, depending on who he's talking about, he's either called a coward by people who want to hurt mm-hmm. him or he's told not to be afraid by people who want to help him. Mm-hmm. And that is a big trigger thing for bt anytime someone's telling him don't be afraid or what are you afraid you the scene is gonna have uh uh, something go wrong in it yeah um and we kind of i think that the seeds of that are shown are planted by his mom after his dad is killed because his mom tells him you be afraid yes you be afraid of these white folks these white Mm -hmm. folks want to kill you Mm -hmm. and it's it's a rough show mm-hmm. it's a well done show yep it is well acted it is every i was gonna say it's well sung but no it's not a musical there's a little uh, bit of music in it but... i mean there's music in it but there's <laughs> mm. there's no there's no songs oh i beat my girlfriend with a brick and threw her <laughs> down in their shaft like there's none of that you know I was supposed to be a chauffeur, but then I killed this white woman. Like, there's, there's no music. There's no, it's not a musical. Eh, huh, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very, 
very rough show. I think it's very important. I think... uh, It's very good. I think that the promo for this one's going to be bird brain so that people can then go from this to get uplifted again oh, by yeah. bird brain isaiah <laughs> by would be, isaiah show. would be great to have in this Cle- cleanse your palate with the bird brain podcast uh, so have some good uplifting yeah. words after this because we will probably need that after this show so i feel like i have said just about everything i can say about the show without mm-hmm. repeating myself yeah do you have anything you'd like to say my final thoughts um just this this definitely is a show about this is what white supremacy has created white supremacy created bigger thomas and wrapped into white supremacy too is lack of access to appropriate mental health care um appropriate everything appropriate Shelter, everything food uh but, education healthcare, everything across yeah, the board across the board but like the thing that can sometimes help when you're getting that dark is just someone to listen preferably someone professionally trained to do so that you can they listen and then they can help you work through what do we do next what do you do next what can like it it's not the solution but it's one of the treatments that can help um and then because it's going to be hard to get america to just completely solve the white supremacy problem in one day no it's it's so deeply entrenched in the country it's going to take a long, long time, especially because people are still not accepting that it's an actual problem. That systemic issues are real and that they yeah. have ripple effects through for centuries. Yeah. And this is one of the ripples. And, you know, maybe this exact version of... Uh, native son needs to be shared more with more people so that they because it's sometimes hard to just read it in a book or to have it read to you in an audio book but if you watch it and you watch how it happens then that may assist especially because this one is so cerebral about it yeah i think the other thing too that helps with having like you're talking about rather than reading it or having it read to you is having professional actors evoke it because mm-hmm. they live that character. They live that character's emotions. Yes. They bring that character to life and they make it more real. Mm-hmm. They, 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 it feels less removed. Yeah. You feel more included and more uh, of a observer. Yes. More of a, a yeah. And, and one thing I, I want to kind of add to about your, your topic of uh, seeking help, for, mm-hmm. for therapy, mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is definitely stigmas, you know, after talking with you in, in certain communities about mental health, mm-hmm. there is also a stigma in mental health with men mm-hmm. because so much of society is that you have to be tough, that emotions mm-hmm. are weak, that stuff like yeah. that. And, and that's something that I struggle with myself in mm-hmm. that, uh, I have not been to therapy in a long time, even though I would benefit from it. Mm -hmm. And you're not 
you're not weak for needing help. Exactly. And that can be a hard hurdle to overcome. Mm -hmm. uh, because very much of the machismo culture mm -hmm. is that if you can't do it by yourself, then you're weak. Like, yeah. And when you're dealing with mental health, especially... That is an insidious disease that you're dealing with. Yes. You will get those whispers of, oh, you don't need, you don't need any mm -hmm. presents. You can do this by yourself. Oh, you don't need to talk to somebody. You mm -hmm. can do this by yourself. Like, uh, depression is very, very insidious. Yeah. Uh, all, all of them are. Yeah. All of them are. Uh, and that's, that's the other thing with it is that. It's not needing help like something is bad about you. Sometimes no. it's needing help to cope with what society has done to you. Yeah, to cope with Which the that world was around the you. That was one of the first things that the greatest therapist that I've ever had was basically going, okay, we're going to teach you to cope with what the what this country has done to your people. And what it, it it's and giving tools to help out because sometimes you can't call the same numbers sometimes you can't go to the same people that everyone else goes to so instead you get another toolbox to help you out with it because your therapist can't dismantle white supremacy on his own either but he can give you tools to work around it or she or they they can give you tools to work around it. But, ah, good old emotional episode today. Yeah. Boy. Yep. I hope y'all enjoyed listening. Native Sun was one. therapy there. Um, yeah. Ready for what next week is. Dear Lord, yes. Please tell me it's something a little more chipper. Just a little bit more? Yeah. You get to watch Sydney Poitier. Okay. So that's good. Um, we're going to be covering Raisin in the Sun because I am getting you closer and closer to the reward at the end of the month, which is George C. Wolfe's Colored Museum. I like raisins. <laughs> I don't. I... That's okay. You're allowed to not like raisins. Raisins are liar chocolate chips. Well, raisins are why I have trust issues. Raisins are geriatric grapes. <laughs> <laughs> raisins are grapes that need to hydrate <laughs> raisins drink too much soda <laughs> but yeah no we're gonna be covering raisin in the sun not a super upbeat show but it's important um i am sorry to say that our run-up to uh colored museum is not 100 percent chipper but that's okay. At least you got green pastures and cabin in the sky to start it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah. that's uh it's a thing. Basically, Colored Museum is my way of having you have a black theater history review without me writing out a review. <laughs> I'm gonna make George C. Wolf do it. No Kahoot game this year? No Kahoot game this year, I don't think. I, I was looking at my calendar and I don't think it'll work. We'll see. But probably not. I'm sorry. Mm, that's okay. Maybe we'll do a Kahoot game at the very end of the year. <laughs> that could be fun. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening to this very emotional episode of Tone Deaf. 
If you'd like to reach out to Kay and I, you can do so at our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. There we have links to our social medias, our Twitters, our Facebooks, our Instagrams, as well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server, where we have our own Not Safe for Work channel. It's... Don't let that scare you. It's actually surprisingly mellow. Uh, and if you want to... If you're... If you're uh, 18 or older and you want to pop in and say hi and mm-hmm. talk about musical theater, please feel free to do so. We also share pictures of our pets. Yeah, it's only it's really only uh, 18 and up for swears in there um, and occasional inappropriate jokes, but that's it because sometimes uh, Warren needs to be Warren. <laughs> I'm sorry for me. <laughs> um, if you want to help out the show, uh, please leave a review on iTunes, Podchaser, Stitcher, Pod- I think Podomatic does it. Uh, wherever you can review your podcast, it really helps out the show, helps us move up the charts. Uh, if you want to go above and beyond, please uh, check out our Patreon, which is Tone Deaf Musical. Uh, there we have some bonus episodes for you. You can get a shout out in the intermission of our show. Or if you want to buy something more tangible, you can go to our T Public store, which is linked at tonedefmusical.com, where you can get masks and hoodies and t-shirts and stickers and John the Giant Pink Sea Snail. Anyway, I think that'll be it for this episode. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone, Tone Deaf. Deaf. We have some pizza in the fridge I think we need to kill. Yeah, there's a dog that wants their dinner. Go. Nom, 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 like Pac-Man. Mm.